We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome into Candlestick Chronicles, a 49ers podcast on the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I'm Kyle Madsen. I write about the 49ers over at NinersWire.com, part of the USA Today Sports Media Group. Joining me shortly is Chris Mudeman. He covers the 49ers for the Sacramento Bee. And we're wrapping up. Nope, not wrapping up. We have two more. So we are diving into the first of our last two position previews. We're talking about the 49ers linebacking group, a group that maybe the only position on the roster that can rival the defensive line just in terms of of top end talent and depth. So let's talk about it. Blue wire. Hey, this is George Kittle and you're listening to Candlestick Chronicles. So, Chris, as we're going through our pre-show chat and just discussing, you know, what 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 directions we want to go, just so we have a, a brief a brief outline of of exactly the direction we want to go. It turns out that the Niners' linebacking core, outside of you know injury or something like that, suspension, we know who their five linebackers are going to be. And I don't think there's like a lot of, I don't think there's a lot of mystery. No, I, I agree with you. I think it's, it's one of the few positions where you can say, yeah, these, these five guys are clear cut the guys and barring something unforeseen guys on the back end are probably not going to make the 53 man roster. Barring um, was the word I was looking for. Thank you. Yeah. So, I mean, we can go through it. It's Fred Warner, Drake Greenlaw. Um, Aziz Alshire, Oren Burks, and Demetrius Flanagan Fowles. And then Curtis Robertson, Marcelino McCrary Ball, uh, Sagoon Alubi, and Jeremiah Gamel. I hope I pronounced all those names right. I'm not certain I did. But um, those guys are probably competing to stick around on the practice squad. Again, barring injury. But I think I think five, the 49ers are pretty set with those top five. Yeah, and it's a good it's a good group too. So let's Fred Warner's Fred Warner. I don't have anything to say about Fred Warner that hasn't already been said. Your thoughts? Yeah, I mean Fred just you know, I know I know the Madden rankings came out and he was the the top linebacker on there. Um as he should be. Yeah, but the it's also <laughs> worth pointing out strong Madden takes. <laughs> 
It's also worth pointing out that even Fred Warner said he didn't get off to the start that he wanted to last year and didn't play up to his own expectations for himself. Um, yeah, and it, lo- it looked like it. Right. And then I think as the season went on, he went back to kicking ass and being the Fred Warner that became the highest his- paid linebacker in the league when he got his contract before the season started. So um, I think Fred Warner is probably going to take it personally how last year went, at least the beginning of the season. And is going to come out with his with his hair on fire this year, um, and then you have really two guys who are entering contract years in um, in Dre Greenlaw and Aziz Al Shire, and that's kind of interesting because both those guys I think could end up being high quality starters who would earn enough money to price the other one out. Right. Like, I don't know that there's a scenario where the 49ers pay both Drake Greenlaw and Aziz Alshire. Um, I think they'd rather just pay one of them and let let the other go in free agency and then, you know, maybe draft one or or find a cheaper free agent. Um, so that'll be interesting to see. But that's a discussion for, you know, next offseason. Um, but in the meantime, sure. uh, I'm with you and what you said in the intro and in that this is probably a position group that is only second behind the defensive line in terms of overall quality and, and, you know, the depth that they have, even though, I mean, the, the defensive line is going to be that, that group's going to consist of 10 guys on the 53 in this group. Right. Five. Yeah. But um, it's a very, it's very good group. And if we think, if, if we zoom out a little bit, like with how good we think the Niners defensive line is and how good we think the Niners linebacking core is like, it might be just, flat out one of the best front sevens of football. Yeah, I, I don't know if there's there's probably an argument that there are better defensive lines. Although I'd really have to do some digging to to find out. And then you can probably make an argument that there is a linebacking core that's better, but I don't think the pair of defensive line and linebacker, I don't think those two groups are going to match really any um anything the 49ers throw out. I want to real quick, I want to talk about two things here. One, I want to go back to Fred Warner and what you said about his beginning of the year and how he came on late. Linebacker is one of those positions that like they show up in the box score, but they can also do things that don't show up in the box score where, where if you're not like dialed in and in the all 22 and not, you may, you may miss like that player's impact. Fred Warner had a game against the Packers in the playoffs where he was noticeably good the entire game where he was doing things in coverage. He forced the the fumble that really swung that game. He was everywhere stopping the run. Like it was, it was a masterclass in playing linebacker. And one of those like reminder games of, Oh, that's like, that's right. Like maybe Fred Warner didn't have a first team all pro season, but he's still very much the best linebacker in the league. And he, he was, he was unbelievable against Green Bay. Yeah, and if you go back, you could look at week three and Aaron Rodgers throwing that pass just over his hand to Devontae mm-hmm. Adams that set up the game-winning field goal. That sort of epitomized Fred Warner's first half of the season where it was like, okay, he's he's good, but he's not quite where the 49ers need him to be, right? And that was mm-hmm. that play just symbolized that. It was inches over his hand if he gets – another step of two or of depth in coverage there, he's either breaking up that play or, or making a game ceiling interception. Right. So right. Um, 
Yeah, I definitely think there's something sliding doors moment for sure. For (laughs) there's yeah, and there's definitely an element of like, I think Fred Warner probably thought a lot about that week three game going into that playoff game and being like, all right. Mm. I mean, not like he needed any extra motivation, but he was like, all right, had a bad game against the Packers before, and now I need to make up for it. And to your point, I think he did. He totally did. So, Fred Warner is probably. So if you were to make a list of guys you're least worried about on the 49ers, just really mm. from any perspective, I think Fred Warner is probably atop the list. Yeah, he's number one. Because he's in his prime. Yep. He's super duper durable. Yep. And he's one of the best players at his position in the league. Yes. Like if you look at all of the 49ers blue chip guys, and they have a lot of them, Mm-hmm. but you could you could point to like one thing like a chink in their armor like george kittle deals with a lot of injuries misses some time isn't always 100 mm-hmm. percent. trent williams is you know at the latter portion of his career you know nick bosa has injuries in his history right like with fred warner he's about as clean a star player as there is in the league just in terms of somebody you can count on and rely on to just be good every week right because I think he's going to be good every week this year because he wasn't last year. And I think he took that to heart and took it really personally. Yeah, it feels like another first team all pros coming. And he's going to be playing behind the defensive line that we've talked about is probably going to be one of the best in the NFL. So we've been talking about these positions. We go through what the most interesting thing is. We talk about position battles and we talk about whether the depth is good or bad. The depth's good. So we're, we're that's, that's covered. We, we just talked about it. But I think the most interesting thing is actually a position battle, if you want to call it that. I'm interested to see how the Greenlaw Alshire thing plays out with who the Will linebacker is and who the Sam linebacker is. I'm wondering, because going into camp, I think it's Greenlaw is the Will and, and Alshire is the Sam, so Alshire would come off the field on third down, which makes sense, or on on, in, on passing downs, which makes Sub, sense. Sub packages. Sub packages, there you go, yeah. <laughs> Big football guys. Um, <laughs> but he comes off the field. So if he's coming off the field on third down, which would make sense because Greenlaw is better in coverage, especially last year, Greenlaw was really improved in that area. But I wouldn't be shocked if by the end of camp, the 49ers decide that Al Shire is the better player and should be on the field for every down. And like, it's a good problem to have. It's not to say, it's not to say Greenlaw is bad, I just think Aziz Alshire last year was was really really good and had flashes where it was like oh he might be the best player on the field right now, and there were there were some hiccups to it. I think he missed a lot of tackles due to over aggressiveness. He's not as good as Greenlaw in coverage, but if he takes a little bit of a step forward and Greenlaw misses some time because he tweaked a groin like he did last year or whatever, I just I wouldn't be shocked if by the second preseason game, we're talking about that as a, as a spot that we could see some changes. Yeah, I, I, I agree with you. I think that's certainly possible. Um, I don't have a take on it one way or another right now. I do think, I, I, I think you're right when you say that Greenlaw is probably going to start as the will and Al Shire is going to start as the Sam. I think one difference between them is, is against the run. Like I think Al Shire is a bigger, more physical sort of Mm -hmm. downhill run defender in the classic linebacker sense where Greenlaw is more of a 
better fit for the modern linebacker who moves around more like a DB and, and is better in coverage, as you mentioned. So, right. Yeah. I mean, it, it's, it's really interesting because that's D'Amico Ryan's position, right? Like he's a linebacker. Right. That's, that's the position he used to coach. Um, that's the position he obviously used to play. Uh, so he's going to have his fingerprints all over it. And it could be a really, really difficult decision, like which guy you feel more comfortable in. And maybe it's matchup based, right? Maybe it depends mm, on like, yeah. oh, this team has, you know, faster tight ends and uses their running back more out of the backfield in the passing game. Maybe this is a green law game where he gets 75% of the snaps. Oh, yeah. this team is more physical up front and likes to run between the tackles more. Maybe this is a Al Shire game. Um, I don't know that you can necessarily. Not a lot of those teams. Yeah, that's true. But I don't know that there's necessarily like, I mean, coaches typically don't like to do that so much. Right. So, but yeah, I think it's a really good point because, you know, 60 to 70% of the time, there are only two linebackers on the field and the 49ers have three good ones. You know, Fred Warner's never coming off the field. Right. Um, Greenlaw looked like he was that guy in 2019, but I think Al Shire is definitely capable of pushing Greenlaw for that spot to get more of the snaps. It's a really good problem to have if you're the 49ers because we know about the pass rush. We know about the struggles of the secondary, but really the one of the key reasons they've been so good defensively is because of their ability to control the middle of the field. How many teams do we see just kind of, they use the middle of the field. They, they go short passing game and they get the ball out quick and they move the chains that way. You can't really do that when it's Greenlaw and Warner or Al Shire. You can't just say, hey, we're going to pick out the middle linebacker. That's what Kyle Shanahan does to, to other teams, right? He picks the linebacker and he's like, that guy is going to get this work today. Right. And you can't really do that against San Francisco. And I think, I think that a lot of offensive coordinators want to do that. They want to say, hey, we're going to create a mismatch with a linebacker. And Fred Warner, one of my favorite plays of his is against the Ravens and he's responsible for covering Marquise Brown. Like who's crazy fast responsible for covering him across the middle of the field and does a good enough job that Lamar Jackson can't get rid of the ball to him. Like he's not like blanketing him, but he's with him for long enough that the window closes. Right. And that's, that's just, that's super unique. And I think their ability to do that it makes things so much easier on, on Ryan's. It makes things a lot harder on quarterbacks because it's just like, Hey, this throw that is there nine games out of 10 is suddenly not there anymore. And I don't think it can go understated how, how important that is, especially, especially in the modern NFL. Totally agree. Um, completely unrelated tangent. Oh, Aren't please. Fred Warner, Dre Greenlaw and Aziz Alshire, just badass linebacker names. Really good line. All three very strong linebacker names. Yeah. Like if you were to just read those names and you knew nothing about those guys, and you're and someone were to say what position do these three guys play, you'd be like, oh yeah, Fred Warner, that's a linebacker. Yeah. Yes. Definitely. That is definitely a linebacker name. It's linebacker one, and I think offensive lineman two. Fred Warner's a good mm -hmm. offensive lineman name. But yeah. like, no, but to your point, but to your point, Fred Warner, the wide receiver is trash. Like, yeah, Fred, Fred Warner is like a guy who played, who's like an electrician who played Fred, high school wide receiver. Fred Warner is Tim Dwight. 
Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And Dre Greenlaw, maybe I could see Dre Greenlaw the running back. Maybe. Yeah. I could definitely see that. Anyway, but and I just I just think I it's could a, also an, see a, a very important than edge rusher. Yeah. Yeah, I could Aziz see that. Aziz Alshire but the just strong here on Candlestick Chronicles. <laughs> just just strong linebacker names. Honestly, numbers too. Got, let's let's keep going down the depth chart here. Oren Burks, good linebacker name. Yeah. Have the have the 49ers uh, Demetrius Flanagan Foles, strong linebacker name. DFF. Sure. Daily fantasy football. Is that yeah. the market efficiency? Yeah. Yeah, we're on the same same page here. <laughs> um the let's talk about Oren Burks a little bit. Okay. Um, the, the had, nine, go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> the Niners made it a very clear point that they wanted to <laughs> we upgrade. Stop podcasting together. <laughs> <laughs> the Niners made it a very clear point this offseason that they wanted to upgrade their special teams, and Oren Burks mm-hmm. is one of them. Um, I think it's a good signing. It's funny that he's coming from the special teams group that was the worst in the NFL that had a big gaffe or a couple of big gaffes in the playoff game that ultimately mm-hmm. that led to the 49ers winning. But I, I do think Burks represents a, a step in the right direction when it comes to improving special teams. And mm-hmm. um, yeah, that's really all I have to say about it. I, I think, I think if they're better on special teams this year, it's, it's, it's going to be like a breath of fresh air. Like, they'll be good on special teams and then, and then people will be like, Oh yeah, that's what that looks like. Right. That's what it looks like when that special teams is not a disaster. Right. Like, Oh yeah. Ke- like not giving up kickoff return touchdowns and like Ke- yeah. Kevin Clark on the ringer NFL show brought this up. He was talking about Bill Parcells and how Bill Parcells would say that if you get better on special teams year over year, you can add like, one to two wins just by getting better on special teams. And I immediately went back to the 49ers game in Seattle where they gave up this 73 yard touchdown or 78 yard touchdown or whatever it was to, to Travis Homer on the fake punt. And it's like, man, if Seattle doesn't get a first down, there, they or even if they just get it, they don't score a touchdown. They just get a stop. And maybe they get the first down, but if they don't score a touchdown on that play like that game is just different. Like that swung that game early on, and right. their two, their two longest touchdowns allowed all year came on special teams. Is a kickoff return in that in that in that run by Homer on the fake punt. So, no, I <laughs> funny Warren Burks thing. He was in the draft coming out of Vanderbilt when I was doing Titans Wire, mm. and the Titans needed a linebacker, and I was a big Warren Burks guy. Just jumped off the tape dude super athletic just flew off the tape not a good linebacker it turns out <laughs> good special he's, teams player he works out with uh even before he got to the 49ers because he's from vanderbilt um worked out with george kittle in nashville oh nice so there might have been some intel given there from kittle to the uh the niners front office before they made that i love the idea of george kittle just hanging out in nashville just crushing bud lights or whatever he was doing and he gets a phone call from John Lynch, and John Lynch is like, George, it's John. Oren Burks, your thoughts? Just out of nowhere. Yeah. I mean, I, I there are very few people in this world that George Kittle would ever say a bad thing about. But it is worth noting that that they worked out together. 
any Demetrius Flanagan false takes? They love <laughs> they love that guy, dude. Like the teammates a... like him. the The coaching staff has always liked him. He was a former safety at Arizona. He came in as an undrafted free agent. He's athletic for the position. He's sort of the prototypical former safety turn linebacker that the modern NFL loves because of the coverage ability, that type of stuff. And he's going to be a special teams guy. He's dealt with some injuries, but if he's your fifth linebacker, I think you're okay. If he's your third linebacker, then you're like, "Uh, I'm not sure. But if he's your fifth guy, you're fine. He's listed. He might even be first off the bench defensively. So you think he might be the fourth guy? Yes. And Burks is the fifth guy. Scorching hot takes. <laughs> Position battle. Fourth linebacker spot. Burks. <laughs> Flanagan Foles. Next. No. <laughs> that was ridiculous. No. Uh, Marcelino McCrary Ball, an undrafted rookie from Indiana, uh-huh. is listed at six foot 214. And I'm trying to imagine, like in 2010, looking at a linebacker that was six foot two fourteen. Like six foot two fourteen, you're like, oh that's a good size corner. Or oh that's a that's a safety. Yeah. And now I, safety and linebacker like they I don't want to say they've become the same position because they're not, but the responsibilities have blended so much. They occupy similar spaces on the field, I think yeah. you can say. A, yeah. Um I do want to point out official listing weights can be a little silly because when Daniel Brunskill first joined the team, he was listed at 240 pounds for like the first year. He was he was on the 49ers. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. So then we're all like, uh, they they signed a, a tackle from the AAF who's 240 pounds. That doesn't seem wonder, like a good idea. And then you see him, it's like, oh yeah, no, he's an, he's a normal sized offensive lineman. I wonder if that's just whoever inputs that data, just looking at like their college, because yeah. he was a tight end at one point in college. There's no prerogative for the team to give real numbers to the website people. You know what I mean? Like that, that's yeah. not a thing that happens. They, the, the people would, who run the I website, would... get their numbers independently. They're not like going to the nutritionist being like, Hey, how much is Danny Brunswick? Like, that's not a thing. <laughs> <laughs> We've got an update on Danny Bruns. It looks a little thicker around the midsection. <laughs> I don't think 240 is cutting it. <laughs> I don't think our website reflects this accurately. <laughs> I, I, I would love that to be like a required NFL thing. And obviously this would never, I, I don't mean I would like, like I would. Hip would up, be, bro. Well, right. And who, who gives a shit? Like, <laughs> right. but there's, a, but in, in, in Tampa, I guess. They're saying that I guess Rick Stroud from the Tampa Bay Times, he, he does a he does a good job covering the Buccaneers, said that said that Leonard Fournette came into camp like a donut shy of 260. And I would love just like live updated weights. You a because I would I just want to like I'm fascinated. I'm fascinated by this because Leonard Fournette might come in at 260, but my man is going to be shredded by the time the season starts. It's incredible. Right. Athletes are amazing. 
Right. That's my that's the point of my yeah take here. Barrows is the guy who can who like really identifies he's shredded. He's like, oh, that guy looks like he lost eight pounds. Like Barrows is like the guy who really notices the minutia of like guys looking like they're in shape and guys not. Because like the minutia minute. What's that? The, the minutia minute. <laughs> yeah, the, the author of minutia minute. Um, because you go out there and you see all these guys, and sometimes like I don't have you know like Javon Kinlaw looks thinner up top. Like that's pretty clear, but that's also like. He looks just very different. There are guys who like look like a little bit different, maybe, but I also don't like remember exactly what player X looked like eight months ago in terms of how much they weighed. And Barrow's like photographic memory, like genius type mind stuff is like, oh yeah, he's, he's like six and a half pounds underweight. <laughs> like, oh, okay, Barrow's doing his thing. <laughs> Was he one of those guys at like the state fair that could, could be like, Probably I guess your weight within three pounds. That's you, win a prize. you know what? If if there's anybody I know or anybody I would bet on to be good at that, it would be Barrows. What an incredible skill just to be able to eyeball like yeah. just heights, weights, distances. He has lots my dad's of skills, an, for sure. My dad's an engineer and does that. He'll be like, that table is 39 inches long. Right. And I'm like, no chance 39 inches on the dot. Yeah. Sure, man. Some people are like that. Ask him how much Marcelino McCrary ball weighs. We need to get to the bottom of this. Yeah, that'll be that'll be the first thing I look at when when I go to training camp. Totally. I will give you. Hmm. <laughs> I won't. I won't get. No, I won't. I was gonna say if you bring to the pod after day one of camp, if you bring a MMP take. I decided that's my guy. Remember Jonas Griffith was my guy. Yeah. Marcelino McCrary ball is my new guy. Okay. I'm in. Okay. I love this. I love this for you. <laughs> Just for my journey. <laughs> Is he going to, I wonder if he's going to end up on the team or if they're going to trade him because he's so good that they can't just get him to the practice squad. So they get a pick for him. Yeah. I want, yeah. Maybe they'll, maybe they just won't play him in the preseason. Try and sneak him through. <laughs> They're just going to stash their seventh linebacker. <laughs> like, no, <laughs> no, if we're not playing, we cannot let the league know about him. <laughs> Fred, you're suiting up tonight. We <laughs> got more important things to do. Yeah, Fred, I know, I know we're paying you 17 million this year, but you're taking 60 you snaps in week two the preseason. Have you, have you seen this McCrary ball kid? <laughs> He's up to like 216. <laughs> he looks great. Oh, man. All right. Yeah, we really have so much to say about the linebackers. <laughs> this was such a productive episode. You know, I'd be shocked if Curtis Robinson didn't land on the practice squad. Fair. Had a cup of coffee with the club last year. Plays yeah. in special teams. Stanford yeah. guy. Mm-hmm. Yep. Linebacker is one of those positions. It's kind of like offensive and defensive line where like you watch him in the spring program and you're like, yeah, no idea if he's good. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> great. I mean, he's like watch him in coverage. You're like if he gets burned every time, then like, all right, he's probably not great in coverage, but in team drills, there's so much traffic and it, there there's no pads. You're just kind of like, yeah, I don't know if he's, if he's right. tackling that guy or not. Yeah. The but linebackers are going to be good. They're going to be good. They should Depth be is good. No row position battles. Is linebacker the least interesting position on the roster? 
I think we've come to that conclusion indirectly throughout this podcast. Yeah. Like it's really good. Fred Warner's good. Right. Trey Greenlaw is good. Aziz Alshire has a potential to be good. Oren Burks is a good special teamer. DFF is sort of your ideal special team slash fifth linebacker. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of it. That's it. And then Marcelino McCrary ball, of course. Yeah, his weight. We got got to get to the bottom of that. <laughs> yeah, I, I it, it it's it's one of those things that their their linebacking core is like they're like the Spurs, like they're just the San Antonio Spurs, not Tottenham Hotspurs, but they're like the San Antonio Spurs, like they're just okay, yeah, that's gonna be that 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 group is gonna be good, like, and that's are they gonna be super exciting or is there anything crazy going to happen? Like, nope, they're just going to go out and dominate. They're just going to be awesome. Yeah. I do think it's an interesting conversation and maybe we could dive into this at some point, but like fronts, like ranking front front sevens, like where this 49ers front seven could rank relative to the rest of the league could be very strong. Yeah. I'm, I was, I was just very quickly going through in my head. I, I don't, I would need to do a, a, a deeper dive because it, I still haven't caught up on all the NFL offseason news. Like, I forgot Chandler Jones plays for the Raiders now. Boy, does he. That's just, that's just the thing that happened that I forgot about. So, Ooh, let's talk about Kyler Murray, speaking of the Cardinals. Oh, great, great call. And then we'll get to Josh Rosen. <laughs> um, what are the numbers? Five years, $230 million? Five and two thirty with one hundred and sixty guaranteed. guaranteed. Yes. So here's the thing with Kyler Murray. Kyler Murray is a potentially elite talent. I think he's a better thrower and just overall pocket passer than people give him credit for. I think obviously what he does with his legs is always going to make it hard on defenses because oftentimes he's just the quickest guy in the field, right? Like he's mm-hmm. quicker than a lot of running backs. Yeah. And I think that just makes him really unique. And all that's fine. All of that stuff in a vacuum, you're like, all right, we have this elite talent. Uh, we He's really difficult to defend. He has MVP potential. He's also just a dude I'm not sure that I want to make the face of my franchise for the next five years with so much guaranteed money. And I understand that quarterbacks are hard to find and either you have one or you don't. And if you don't, you really have no chance. But you still want to find the right guy. And I just don't know that Kyler Murray is the right guy, even though he has all the talent to appear like the right guy. Like you're betting on human beings ultimately and the way they persevere and the way they overcome adverse situations, which are kind of the same thing I'm being redundant, but the way that, you know, like an ideally an elite quarterback is the rising tide that lifts all boats, Mm -hmm. right? Like the guy that makes up for whatever deficiencies you have elsewhere, the guy that if your defense is allowing 48 points, you're confident your quarterback can go out and score 51, right? Like those are the elite quarterbacks, the Josh Allen's, the Patrick Mahomes, Aaron Rodgers, um, 
you know, Tom Brady's in his own realm, but like you could, I would throw him in that mix, right? Is Kyler Murray that guy? Like, do we know that Kyler Murray, based on what's happened the last few years and the way the Cardinals have fallen off, like, do we trust Kyler Murray to be that guy that's going to make up for whatever other deficiencies the Cardinals have, which could include coaching, by the way? Like, I think Kyler Murray's good, and I don't necessarily have a problem paying him, but I also think there's a scenario where this ends up going poorly and he's not the franchise guy and they're saddled with a quarterback who is not a guy that you feel comfortable calling that, you know, that makes the Cardinals a playoff team just by virtue of having an elite quarterback. Yeah, I definitely think there, there are some question marks with, with Murray. I think there are bigger question marks with Cliff Kingsbury but he like just got a contract extension this off season. And that's the wild thing to me, the way Kingsbury coached and the way Murray played in that playoff game against the Rams was like embarrassing. They were so bad and they looked so ill prepared to play football. And Murray has that has had that thing. And, and Kingsbury too, they've had that thing over the last couple of years where they like come out on fire and then just very slowly fall off toward the end of the year. And last year it culminated in a playoff appearance, which is great. They're a good regular season team. And then they, they fell apart in the postseason. And maybe that changes. Maybe there's growth. And maybe in three years, the Cardinals are hoisting a Lombardi trophy and, and this whole conversation is moot. But to your point, I feel like Kyler Murray falls in this, in this, in this category of athlete that, I mean, we, we talked about this during the NBA offseason. Just to just to bring basketball back into this. There's just like players that you get on a team that aren't aren't good enough to be like the guy for you, but they're not bad enough that you can let them walk, but they're too good to take a lesser deal. So you're kind of stuck. Like Kyler Murray to me, so far in his career, and again, maybe something changes, but right now, what we know on July 21, 2022. I have the perfect NBA analogy in my head for Kyler Murray, but I want to see if you're going in the same direction. Okay. Mine's Brad Beal. Yep. Did I nail it? You nailed it. He said Bradley right. Beal, the NFL. I wrote, I wrote it down. It's right here. <laughs> okay, great. Um, so he's Brad, he's Brad Beal. Like, Really good player, really like super talented, undeniably. Like when you're playing against him, it's like, damn, this guy is difficult to stop. You just don't know if he's a winning player. Right. But at the end, at the end of the season, are you sitting there going like, Hey, that they fell short because of, because of X, Y, and Z. Like, like, no, in, in, it's and I get it's more difficult in football than basketball, so it's not apples to apples because in basketball, one player like can can take a team to the finals, right? Like, and quarterbacks guy don't play it. defense, right? Like, right. So if there's you're paying a guy to be you ideally pay two way stars. Yeah, correct. But in in football, a quarterback has enough influence that a quarterback, not necessarily by himself, but can have an outsized influence on a team's success. And I just don't think that Kyler Murray is the guy that at the end of the year, if the Cardinals miss the playoffs, we're going to be 
we're going to be going like, man, their defense, you know, like it, it's, it's going to be Kyler. Yeah. I just don't, I don't know if he's, if he's, but, but on the other hand, you have to pay him. You can't let him walk because if you, if, if Arizona says, Hey, you're playing out your contract and then you're hitting free agency. They just let a super hyper talented player walk out the door. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't have let him walk. I would have tried to figure out a way to trade him, but I also know that probably this off season would have been super difficult to trade him coming off the way last season ended for him. Sure. And so, but also he's not showing up for you without a new contract. So that's the, that's the other side of it. Cause like in an ideal world, you're like, all right, Kyler will play. And then he'll play in his fourth season. He already has his fifth year option. Like maybe we trade him in the off season and somebody else can pay him. But like we see how this goes. Right. But they didn't have that luxury because Kyler clearly wasn't going to play without a new deal, which I don't blame him for at all. No, but I'm just, if I was running a team, man, like I think your Brad Beal thing, obviously I I was, I wanted to say it, but I I felt like we're going in the same direction there and I didn't want to say it before you did. (laughs) Um, But it's the same thing, like with the Kings and De'Aaron Fox, right? Like, yeah, he's a star and yeah, like you're paying him and he has all-star potential, but also is he the best guy on a, on a contending team? Probably not. Um. So yeah. And maybe, and maybe he takes that step, right? Like maybe there's like a mental hurdle, a mature, a a maturity hurdle that he takes. And then he becomes where he figures something out. Yeah. And Cliff Kingsbury figures something like maybe he becomes the MVP type player that we all know he has the talent to become, but it's just a risky bet, man. You did like the last couple of years, the way those seasons ended, it's a risky bet. And you do wonder you know, the Cardinals were like that fringe team. You're like, they could be good, but they could also be bad. I feel similar this right. year. And sometimes those teams after getting over the hump and getting to the playoffs, there's a tendency to fall back to earth and it might be tough for them with Deandre Hopkins suspended with Chandler Jones, not around anymore. Like it's a pretty talented roster, but I think it's pretty clearly the third best roster in the NFC. And you made a great point about Cliff Kingsbury. Like, he might just not be the guy and they might've just given the, that guy a contract extension through but 2027, that's, but that's it. And they committed to Kyler Murray when they committed to cliff Kingsbury because they brought cliff in. They got rid of Josh Rosen, the number 10 pick from the previous year, which was fine. Like Josh Rosen stinks, but stinks. he signed to the Browns. He signed to the Browns today, but they, they let him draft Kyler. And then when they extended him, like they had the number one pick that like they took a quarterback number one overall and they've improved each year. They got to the playoffs last year. When you extended Cliff Kingsbury at that point, you have to extend Kyler Murray because you are not going to go, okay, Hey, we're going to trade Kyler Murray and then hope to take another quarterback next year or the year after that, and now you're trying to kick the can down the road, like, no, Cliff got his guy. This is the guy Cliff wants. And if you can't get it right with the number one overall pick, who are you getting it right with? So when they extended Cliff through 2027, it was like, 
all right, well, they're extending Kyler too then because they're not going to go, yeah, Cliff, you stick around. We're going to let you pick another quarterback, not number one overall. Right. Like this is a shot. And it's the same thing with Kyle Shanahan and, and Trey Lance. Like, all right, this is it. Yeah. Like, they're all tied. Hand pick your guy. They're all tied together. Like Michael Bidwell, the Cardinals owner committed to cliff committed to steve kime and committed to kyler murray all at once i think that's a good point yep. um and furthering that point you either commit to all three of those guys or you clean house and go a completely different direction and i just think right. it's risky which, which is hard to do after a playoff run trip wasn't really a run <laughs> yeah uh i just think it's risky because i didn't i didn't come out of that season with from the Cardinals being like, Oh man, they're, they're on the right path. You know, that's, that's just not how I felt about them. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash Blue Wire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. So we were talking about, we were talking about before the podcast, we were talking about baseball being the most conservative of the sports, just in terms of their history and their well, I mean, multiple ways, but just in terms of their history and, and their, their adherence to, to tradition and custom. The NFL is not far behind. And I think the NFL is progressing, but you there's still a mindset among some teams and some owners that's like hey just be good enough to be relevant like is it is it clear from from like from my perspective if money was no object and everything was gonna i would pull the plug on the murray kingsbury kind thing and be like all right hang on scrap this because i i don't i don't think that that's that that group is gonna win a super bowl and maybe Maybe I'm wrong, but that that's how I view it. But if you're the owner, if you're the Cardinals owner, you're looking at that and going, okay, well, they're in the playoffs. Kyler is an electric player. Like fans love him. If DeAndre Hopkins, if JJ Watt, like, all right, let's just, let's run this back and see if they can just make the playoffs again. Like it's, it's not, it's less about, it's less about, going, okay, this isn't going to work. Let's try something new. It's like, hey, as long as playoffs is the status quo, we'll take it. As long as being in being in the playoff mix is 
Like that's why the Bengals stunk for so long. That's why Marvin Lewis stuck around for so long because so, their owner was just, was fine. <laughs> was fine with it. The way the NFL is built. And I think your point is right on the money. The way the NFL is built owners make just about the same amount of money. If they win five games versus nine games, right? Mm -hmm. Like if you get a home playoff game, obviously that's different because you get all the gate and the revenue from that. And that's, I don't know, an extra 10 million in revenue or whatever. I don't know what the number is, but like the NFL is basically a socialist institution when it comes to finances and how the money's divvied out. Like, so when it comes to t like if you're, you know, all the money is spread equally, all the TV rights money is spread equally. So right. Bidwell could be like, all right, let's just be relevant and I'll still make all this cash sort of regardless, knowing that I don't have an avenue towards being an elite team right now. Mm -hmm. Because to get to that point where you are elite, an elite team, you're going to have to clean house. You're probably going to lose for a minute. And you're going to be three or four years away from contending. Mm -hmm. Whereas he might just be saying, all right, well, let's win eight, nine, 10 games, be in, be relevant, be in the mix. And then I'll just cash the same amount of money I would as if we were bad. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a good point. Um, we didn't hit on any of the gym. Now the Cardinals are going to win the Super Bowl this year. That would be so funny. <laughs> <laughs> We didn't talk about the Jimmy Garoppolo stuff and the revelation that the 49ers have given his camp permission to trade him or permission oh, to seek Diana, a trade, I should say. Danny Rossini also reported this morning, breaking news, the 49ers are committed to Trey Lance. <laughs> so look, man, John Lynch told reporters at the owners' meetings on the record that the 49ers gave Jimmy Garoppolo's camp permission to seek a trade. This happened in March. And I guarantee you, he said that to Don Yee long before he said that to the, to the reporters. Right. Ergo, this is not news. Sure. Somehow we've gotten to a point and like, this is no disrespect to Adam Schefter because what the 49ers did was deliberate. And I understand, you know, Adam Schefter has to do certain things to get scoops. Fine. Whatever. That's a completely different discussion. My problem is when national reporters report things that local reporters have been reporting for months and then all of a sudden it is the, on the bottom line of, of the ticker on ESPN and leading a blocks mm -hmm. of shows because Adam Schefter says it versus it being months, months, a, a storyline that's months old. And now mm -hmm. all of a sudden it's like a national thing. It's like, man, what are we doing here? All of us are reporting news. Everyone's just choosing to ignore it and, or putting Adam Schefter on this pedestal. Like he like, Oh, he said it. So now it's really news. Right. You know what I mean? It's like, like man, John Lynch or Kyle Shanahan says that they're lying. But when, when Adam Schefter says it's from sources, it's like, Oh dang. Yeah. Now we believe it. Right. And look, I, I know, like, and I say this too, what people say in press conferences is often bullshit and mm -hmm. actions are more meaningful than words, all that stuff. And I understand we have to parse through that as part of our job as people who cover teams. Mm -hmm. But man, he said it like he said it on the record. And that's not something you say when you don't mean it. 
Right. <laughs> you know, like like NFL guys, the coaches, players, whatever, they gas up whoever. They say, and then you know, people run with it and they think it's whatever, like, but when somebody says something critical or something to the effect of, yeah, we told his representatives they have permission to seek a trade, that's not mm-hmm. something they're bullshitting about. Right. You know, that that so to see like Oh, Adam Schefter said it. And now, you know, oh, oh, now the 49ers are giving his camp permission to seek a trade. Like, what were they doing this whole time? Like, no, they did it months ago. Right. And the Niners are just getting this messaging out there that they're they're getting the messaging messaging out there for a couple of different reasons. They they're letting everybody know, hey, don't forget Jimmy Garoppolo's available. Mm-hmm. And they're reinforcing the idea that Trey Lance is going to be the starting quarterback. Right. And, which is which is a and, not which is not insignificant ahead of the start of training camp. But anybody who's been paying attention or listening to this podcast or reading any of the beat writers, the Niners probably have one of the best beat cores just in terms of pure talent covering yes, the team. Yes. Of any in the NFL. Yes. If you have not been paying attention to anything anybody's been reporting from the beat, then you look at Adam Sheffield and be like, oh wow, now the Niners are it's like it's just frustrating. It's like I woke it's, up well, and saw I, I, that saw that report and I was like, what are we doing? I don't this blame is not news. But I don't I don't I don't blame uh a Colts fan for not knowing what John Lynch said in a owners meeting press conference in March. But my problem I, is is like the news was 49ers officially let officially give Don Yee permission to seek a Jimmy Garoppolo. Trade. Right. It's like, first of all, officially, right. that's not a thing. That's Second on, of all, that's it's, on, a, it's a lie. That to me, that to me, and again, this is not to, Adam Schefter is, is the newsbreaker in the NFL. Like, I'm not trying to disparage Adam Schefter, but I think what you're talking about, that's on him for not being like, Hey, this happened in March. Yeah. That's, I, like I said, I have a hard time blaming a Jets fan for running with what Schefter said and not being like, I wonder if John Lynch has said that already. Right. I tweet, it's a funny thing. So I work at a radio station, 95.7 the game, 95.7 FM on your radio dial. In the Bay Area? In the Bay Area, yeah, in San okay. Francisco. I don't like to talk about it. But <laughs> but I, after Rossini get up, she said the, the Niners are committed to Trey Lance on Get up. I, I watched this segment. She talked to a lot of sources. Right. Credit and it, it it says on it said so they put it on Twitter. And so I grabbed the Kyle Shanahan quote from March where he said we're ready to make Trey the starter. We tried to trade Jimmy because we think Trey's ready to start. Which Nick Wagner of ESPN fame, our favorite cast member, wrote that exact story that ran on ESPN's website and probably got millions of page views. Yes. Like, like literally wrote on ESPN, wrote about it. And one of my coworkers comes in and goes, when did he say that? <laughs> this is a person that lives in the Bay Area. No, I know. And look, it's I, like, I it's like. These guys aren't like, I don't know. We can't, the, the thing is though, the other side of it, like we can't blame people for not being as either 
plugged in or as dorky as us. <laughs> no, 100%. You know I mean? 100%. Like, we have a podcast. It's our job to talk about this. So, yeah. I don't have a life. So, like. <laughs> Same. Zero life. It's that's this where, and golf. That's where, the, that's where the angst comes from in this. It's like, <laughs> oh, you have you have things to do? You can't read press conference transcripts. Yeah, you're not you're not mining. You're not mining transcripts <laughs> for storylines. <laughs> yeah, so that that's the that's the part of it. Too. Just, not not that like oh we're way more plugged in than everybody else, but it's like it's our responsibility to to read through all of this shit because we have a podcast. Right. So, but yeah, I mean, it's. It just goes back to the whole dynamic of like national reporters versus beat reporters. There are so many instances where somebody will report something, a national person will report it, and it becomes news. And it's like the beat writers have written that same thing like four days earlier. Yeah. And because Adam Schefter, Ian Rappaport, or anybody else can attach sources to it, like, oh, now it matters. Right. Like, man, this has been out there. Anyway, that's my rant. Um, Chris's media rant. How about Tom Pelissero saying that Debo Samuel's new deal is not imminent? I'm sure. shocked because the trainer on Instagram said he's getting paid soon. Seemed like it was headed the right direction. It's overwhelmingly still, positive direction. <laughs> I'm still of the mind that there are like, since the trade request, there are signs that like point the right way. I ultimately but, think it's going to get done, but I don't think it's any closer to getting done because a trainer said some shit on Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> Spicy Chris today. Yeah, sorry. No, I've, I, been, I've, I been, I've pent up. I've, I've had some pent up energy today. I do. I do. I do like the idea that like, okay, so here's here's the thing on that. That that was his trainer, whatever. But Debo posting the to his instagram story that is in san francisco like that's deliberate kyle the niners don't play in san francisco oh you're right no so i guess he has a camp in san francisco that's why he's in san francisco (laughs) yeah yeah i'm just kidding but but i'm not not gonna be that that guy but he posted he posted to he posted that to his story like on purpose he wasn't just like, oh, there's a nice picture of the welcome to San Francisco sign with a photo of Mayor London Breed. I'm going to put this on my story. Like that was a, hey, look, I'm in the Bay Area. I think that, that's everything he, he and a lot of athletes do on social is, is deliberate. And I think that was a, a signal of like, not, not again, he's not communicating with the 49ers. He's communicating with fans. Like, Hey, look, I'm in the Bay. That's what I think. Sometimes, and I'll only speak for myself. I have posted on social media that I am in a certain location. So a certain person or people would know that I'm in that location. That has nothing to do with work. Does that make sense? To get what I'm putting, putting down here? <laughs> oh, like friends. Sure. Debo could very well just be letting some friends know that he, hey, I'm letting the homies know. <laughs> yeah. Telling the homies. Maybe. <laughs> or look, I, I, I look, I ultimately think a deal is going to get done. I think these 
they're they're going to come together and figure it out. Well, okay. And I what just is think what is not what does not imminent mean? Like it's not happening tomorrow. Or I would say not, not imminent means they're far apart. That's my okay. interpretation of not imminent. Sure. But I guess I guess far apart. I don't know. I guess. Which could change. My my whole point on this is I think it's just it's gonna be more difficult than the Fred Warner, George Kittle stuff. And it already has been. That's yeah, all. it ships sailed. And and look, until he puts pen to paper, I'm not buying any like, oh, positive development because his trainer said he's gonna get paid soon on Instagram. Like, yeah, anybody he's due for a contract. Of course he's gonna get paid soon. And like a trainer's job is to Maybe, gas up hey. his client. Hey, well, as your podcast co-host, I feel like it's one of my jobs to gas you up. So maybe okay. I'll get on Instagram and be like, oh, one way. So Chris and I are golfing, not to brag. We're golfing on Saturday. And when we do that, I'm going to just, I'm going to be like, oh yeah, Chris is getting paid soon. Yeah. And just see, see if, see if we can't get you a raise. Yeah. That direct, that direct deposits coming in the next two weeks. <laughs> Let's go. I'll tag the Sacramento Bee. It'll be great. Yeah, I'm sure they love. But I was like, Chris, we need to talk. You've been doing some great work lately. Yeah. Um, I saw your friend say you're about to get paid. Interesting. He's absolutely right. Um. Yeah, I don't know. I think they're far apart. I think Debo has his reasons, and I just, I also think it's very notable that while Brandon Ayuk and Juwan Jennings have worked out with Trey Lance a lot during the offseason, Debo Samuel has not. Yes. I find, and, that, I find that very notable. And on top of that, while he's not working with Lance, he's not building a rapport with him. And if he starts holding out days in camp, that could start to become a problem. And it's probably going to be awkward because he's not going to hold out because if he holds out, it'll be fine. He'll be fine. So he'll be in the building, just not practicing. So it'll be a hold in. And we don't see those. We don't see like I've seen holdouts before, like probably the most contentious one I could remember was like Alex. Mm. I wasn't covering the team then, but yeah, Crabtree. But even he was holding out like the new CBA makes it very different. Vernon Davis hold out. And then get traded. Mm. No, he held out and then didn't. I don't remember. Anyways, it doesn't matter. Alex Boone. Alex Boone held out and then there was the whole thing. He signed the contract that made it uh, so the team couldn't franchise him. Where I think if you went back and looked, if the Niners had franchised him, he would have made more money than he ended up making. But whatever. Mm. Here, here nor there. Alex Boone is the only player that's ever MF'd me in the uh, in the Niners locker room, but that's a different story. Um, it's not even a good story. I, we just both you went can't... to Ohio State. I we both went to Ohio oh. State. I tried talking to him about that, and he just gave me the the big old f off, and we never really chatted after that. Cool. Yeah, I was like, okay, so you cool. Can't just, you can't just put that out there and then be like, I'm not gonna. My Buckeye brethren. <laughs> oh, H, huh? Is that I what you out- said? No, oh. I after after he said that I did not go oh I just said okay cool. <laughs> those guys. Alex Boone was uh, I I heard this reliably while I was at school. He was like the type of dude who could put down like a thirty pack of 
Keystone Light or Natty or whatever the cheap beer of choice was by himself. Which like Not makes sense guy. because he's like six eight and at that point probably close to four hundred pounds when he was in college. Yeah, that so, tracks. Um, who knows? Maybe he's friendlier now. But it's super nice to me when I get him on the radio. Yeah. Well, maybe I caught him on a bad day. Um, Should I tell him that I know a guy who went to Ohio State and see what he says? Sure. Okay. I'll invite him, him on the pod. pod. I'll I'll bring it up to him on the pod. Oh, huh? dude. Oh my god. Okay. This is gonna fight me through Zoom. Must happen pod. All right. (laughs) Hit them up. Um, but anyway, we've never seen a hold in situation with the 49ers. Yeah, I wonder how that would go. Fascinating. I can't wait. I think there's a decent chance we find out. Training camp starts next week, guys. Unless it, it we might get a we might see a hold in depending on what Debo's trainer says on Instagram. His Instagram story coming up. <laughs> Follow at Debo's trainer on Instagram. Is that his? Is that all, his no. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> For all the latest Debo updates, make sure you're following. At get, puts in the work with a Z. Gonna get paid soon. Oh man, what a positive development. <laughs> <laughs> you're mad. You're big mad today. Yeah, I've done, I've been I've been running around doing a lot of work. I've uh totally. It's just silly season, man. Like I, honestly, it I is. love training Five camp. 5 days from training camp. I love training camp, but Six training camp storylines, I'm I think what it is is I'm like already annoyed about how every player is going to be in the best shape of their life. Every teammate that every teammates asked about is going to be oh he's do he's going to have a great season it's all going to be awesome like the training camp storylines and you'll see if you look for it you'll be able to see it's all just a lot of it in these press conference settings and like look I'm a part of it and I know I'm obligated to write certain things but it's you just there's just more bs that you have to sift through um at the start of training camp than really other any other point in the year. I'll say that. So I think yeah. that might be a reason why I'm salty. And the fact that Adam Schefter is reporting things that are four months old. And he did report that Jimmy Garoppolo is clear to practice. And that the 49ers <laughs> are going to exercise caution. We did not meant we did not touch on that, but it seems like those are conflict, conflicting sentiments, doesn't it? A little bit. He's cleared to practice, but they're going to exercise caution. So they're. it sounds like they're going to wait a couple weeks before he's cleared to practice or before they let him practice, if they even let him practice. I can't imagine they let him practice. Right. So he's cleared to practice. Hey, you haven't been at the caution. facility all offseason. Welcome to the training game. Yeah. I don't think he's practicing with the 49 How's Adam Dado doing? Who? His quarterback coach, Adam Dado. Oh. That's a deep cut joke. There's like one person listening who got that. And it's like, <laughs> good one. Good one. Um, all right. All right. We've talked. I don't have anything this, else this to say. This has become a very long podcast. Sorry this for is ranting. ridiculous. Yeah, it's okay. <laughs> Subscribe, rate, review. Shouts Adam Schefter. Shout out. I'm Mark Chapman. Welcome to the Planet Premier League podcast. 
Each week, Cesc Fabregas, Nader Manua and myself talk all things Premier League. As a player, you don't have time to talk. No. You don't have time to make a plan. You just need to deal with wave after wave after wave. We watched Coach Carter and he said, oh, afterwards, the game's just about doing this for your teammates. And I remember looking around halfway through the film and half the squad was asleep. <laughs> Planet Premier League. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.